0: I want to talk, it's something I've, Lord has been teaching me about for a good few years, but I've never felt to bring it for some reason. I don't know why here, but I do today, and it's to do with the heavenly courtroom and Mount Zion, the governmental realm yeah. that we've all came to, but we don't even realise it. Most of the church through the years, especially maybe in, the, I don't know if it was the 70s and 80s when we had spiritual warfare stuff all the time, when we're trying to fight principalities and demons over cities and whatever. We've thought to get revival, we need to get rid of the demons over a region or whatever by fighting hard. And we thought it was all about a battlefield, when actually the truth is it really should be about a bit courtroom. Because we are called higher than the battlefield. We are called higher. We are seated in heavenly places, but there's this place called the courtroom that we are all called to go to. And i want to go through some scriptures today so is that okay if it's more of a teaching thing than a preachy thing or it might become a preachy thing i don't know because i really think we've lost so much whether it's personally like there's so many people i know around about us right now who are getting ill or sick including myself i've got lots of stuff and my best friend just died a week ago with alcoholism and like there's so much we've lost as you were praying about the nation the church we've lost so much But I believe we can get restitution, better than even restoration. But it's all about knowing how to go to the heavenly courtroom. It's all about the governmental realm. I want to start with Hebrews 12, 22, 24. And it says, but you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly to the church of the firstborn, whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of the righteous men made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. We have come to this place called Mount Zion. It's a governmental place. If you want to know what Mount Zion is, it's a governmental realm. It's a place of government. It's a place where David to 24-7 worship and the governed from. And it's the place of the living God. It's a heavenly Jerusalem. So it's a heavenly dimension. It's another realm. Mount Zion. I'm not talking about Mount Zion in Israel. I'm talking about the heavenly Mount Zion. Because it says it's a heavenly Jerusalem. And in this place where there's the heavenly Jerusalem. We have come. It says you have already come. It doesn't say you will go there one day when you die. It says you have already come. So whether we realize it or not and most of us don't even realize it, we have come to a place called Mount Zion which is actually another dimension where your spirit lives there now and you're here at the same time. Now I don't understand that, maybe we don't even need to understand that but somehow you're physically here but your spirit is in Mount Zion because you have come, that's past tense, when you were born again, when you were saved, when your spirit was reborn, you were born from above, your spirit is in heaven and somehow your spirit is in this governmental realm, but we've never as a church learned how to function from there. We've tried to battle demons and principalities on the earth, and a a lot of people get in a lot of trouble, whereas we should be functioning from this place by faith. Bill says it all the time, actually, it's by faith. You don't need to feel it, you don't need to sense it, you don't even need to see it. You might see it, and some people do see because they're seers, but we have come to this place, and in this place, is God the Judge. And actually, it says the Church of the Living God is there. The word is Ecclesia. We use the word Ecclesia all the time. So, the Ecclesia is actually in Mount Zion. If we function from the earth, we're not functioning as a true church. We're not. We're supposed to function from Mount Zion. The saints, the spirits of righteous men made perfect. That's a cloud of witnesses. The cloud of witnesses are in this place called mount zion so it's a governmental realm that we have all came to when we are born again we've already come it's past tense where god the judge is the angels are thousands upon thousands of myriads of angel angels the angelic realm is there for us the ecclesia is there and we're supposed to function from there so i want to talk specifically about the judge in the courtroom because there's different aspects of Mount Zion, like the angelic realm, but this is about the courtroom. And I want to just go through some actual um, scriptures that talk about the courtroom and just go through some scriptures so that we get it in our heart and our mind, a foundation of that this is actually so scriptural, (coughs) that this is all through the Bible. The Bible is based on, it's a legal document. The covenant is a legal document. Like the whole thing is about a legal document. Satan is a legalist. The law that we have broken, the law is legal language. We've all broken the law. Psalm 89.14 says, Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Steadfast love and faithfulness go before you. The very foundation of God's throne is righteousness and justice. He is a just God. And I believe with all my heart, that we are going to see justice. God has like stood back for a lot of years. In this country, the church, everything has fell into ruin. But God has a justice system and he's waiting in those people who know how to go into that justice realm, into the realm of the courtroom to receive restitution for our families, for for our nation, for our cities. Think about all the revivals that we've lost, all the things that have failed, all the things where the enemies came and attacked. But we are going to have restitution once again, when we learn how to function in the government of God in Mount Zion, in the courtrooms of heaven. So let me just go through some scriptures, just to build a foundation. Zechariah 3. And this is just a classic courtroom scenario. And I'm actually reading it from the message translation, so you might not be able to follow it in if you've got King James, but this is a classic courtroom scenario. It says, Next, the messenger angel showed me the high priest Joshua. He was standing before God's angel where the accuser showed up to accuse him. The accuser showed up. That is legal language. That's courtroom language. The accuser, Satan, stood before the court to bring accusation against joshua the high priest then god said to the accuser i god rebuke you accuser i rebuke you and choose jerusalem surprise everything is going up in flames but i reach in and pull out jerusalem now joshua standing before the angel was dressed in dirty clothes the angel spoke to his attendants get him out of these filthy clothes then said to joshua look i've stripped you of your sin and dressed you up in clean clothes I spoke up and said, how about a clean new turban for his head also? And they did it, put a clean new turban on his head. Then they finished dressing him with God's angel looking on. God's angel then charged Joshua orders from God of the angel armies, if you live the way I tell you and remain obedient in my service, then you'll make the decisions around here and oversee my affairs and all my attendants standing here will be at your service. In other words, if we do what God tells us, if we're obedient, we'll actually... It's even beyond just going to the courtrooms. We'll actually take charge of courtrooms. I know this sounds crazy, but when you read to what it says, I tell you, if you remain obedient in my service, then you'll make the decisions around here. There's a place where we will go to the courtroom, but there's actually a place where we make the decisions. It's even above just going to the courtroom and to oversee my affairs. This is in the heavenly realm. This is in the courts of heaven. There's a remnant who God is calling to be part of this heavenly government on earth, right now. And all my attendants standing here will be at your service. Who are the attendants standing there? It's the angels. Here's another example of the courtroom. So the accuser came to accuse Joshua. Job 1 verse 6 to 8, this is the message again. One day when the angels came to report to God, Satan, who was the designated accuser. He was designated as the person to accuse. This was a day set aside. It wasn't a random day where Satan just suddenly turned up. This was a day that was set aside where Satan was the chosen accuser. He was a designated accuser. That's courtroom language. When you go to court, there's someone who's accusing you of something. He came along with him. God singled out Satan and said, what have you been up to? Satan answered God, Going here than there, checking things out on the earth. God said to Satan, have you noticed my friend Job? There is no one quite like him. Honest and true to his word, totally devoted to God and hating evil. This setting about, the whole story about Job was set in a courtroom. And Satan was in the courtroom to get permission to harm Job. Or Job. Here's another example, Job 2 verse 1 to 8. And this is all in the heavenly realm. One day the divine beings came to present themselves before the Lord. And the adversary also came among them, the adversary, the accuser, to present himself before the Lord. And the Lord said to the adversary, Where have you come from? And the adversary answered the Lord, From wandering throughout the earth. And the Lord said to the adversary, or the accuser, Have you thought about my servant Job? For there is no one like him on earth, a man who is honest, who is is of absolute integrity, who reveres God and avoids evil. He still holds on to his integrity, even though you incited me to ruin him for no reason. The adversary responded to the Lord, skin for skin, people will give up everything they have in exchange for their lives. But stretch out your hand and strike his bones and flesh, then he will definitely cause... Curse you to your face. And the Lord answered the adversary. There he is within your power. Only preserve his life. I'm pointing all this out just to show there is an adversary. God is the judge. Satan goes to the courtroom to get permission to do what he does. And Satan is wandering the earth like a a lion looking whom he can devour. What is he looking for? He's looking for legal loopholes. What do you think repentance is about? Bill has spoken about repentance. Repentance, we th- we think it means you just feel bad, really bad, and sorry. It actually isn't. What it is, when you don't repent, the enemy, Satan, the accuser, has actually a legal right into your life. When you repent, you close the loophole. In other words, you say, Judge, forgive me, wash me in the blood, because the blood is in the courtroom as well. And when you say forgive me for whatever it is or if we say, Lord, forgive us for a city, for a nation, for a region. Remember, we're priests of God. We stand in behalf of our nation, just like Moses did. We can stand as priests in the courtroom and say, Lord, we are guilty. Daniel did it. Daniel stood in behalf of his nation and said, we have sinned. Daniel himself probably had not sinned like that. But we can stand in the courtroom and say, Lord, we have sinned. What does it do? it closes the legal loophole. In other words, the accuser will come in behalf of, say, Glasgow and say, I've got a right to that city because look at the sin, look at the murder, look at the violence. But if we go as priests of God and stand in behalf of our city and say, Lord, we're guilty, forgive us on behalf of our city, we close the loophole, Satan comes to accuse the city and God, the judge, goes overruled. We are priests and kings in this heavenly realm and satan went to the court to get permission to harm job verse 7. the adversary departed from the lord's presence and struck job with severe sores from the sole of his feet to the top of his head and in other words, Satan got permission to do that from the courtroom. Let's go into the New Testament then and have a wee look. This is Luke 22 31 to 34. And it's a scripture you've heard, but you've maybe not thought about it this way before. And it says this Simon, Simon, listen, Satan has asked excessively. That all of you be given up to him out of the power and keeping of God that he might sift all of you like grain or like wheat. But I have prayed especially for you, Peter, that your own faith may not fail. And when you yourself have turned against, strengthen and establish your brethren. Think about this. Simon, Simon, listen. Satan has asked excessively that he may sift you like wheat. Simple question. Where did he ask? asked in the courtroom because it's there's a law first mentions it's like when you see what's in the old testament you can see how it functions you can see how um, Satan had to go to the courtroom to ask to harm Job and he was in the courtroom asking if he could harm the disciples but Jesus our intercessor intervened and went but I have asked that you would be spared I have especially asked for you, Peter, that your own faith may not fail. And when you yourself have turned again or repented, strengthen and establish your brethren. Yeah. Now, listen to this. Here's more courtroom language in the book of Revelation, verse 12 to 10. It says Then I heard a strong, loud voice in having, saying, Now it has come, the salvation and the power and the kingdom. In other words, the dominion, the reign of God, and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren, he who keeps bringing before our God charges against them day and night, has been cast out. There's coming a day where Satan is cast out, but until that day, he brings charges before the court day and night against you, against me, against cities, against regions. against the church for the accuser courtroom language bringing before our God charges day and night and he's actually got a right to do it 1 John 2 1 again this is courtroom language it says my little children I write you these things so that you may not violate God's law and sin. But if anyone should sin, we have an advocate. That means one who will intercede for us with the Father. It is Jesus Christ, the all righteous, upright, just, who confirms to the Father as will in every purpose, thought and action. But if we sin, and if anyone should sin, we have an advocate. What does that mean? An advocate is someone who speaks on behalf of someone else. The term is often used in the legal profession to describe someone who has received some legal training, which allows him or her to represent another individual in legal settings, such as courtrooms and hearings. We have an advocate, Jesus, he's our legal expert, if you like. When you go to court, you don't necessarily know how it all works. So you have a legal expert, you have a lawyer. We have a legal expert, so when we go to the courtroom, you don't necessarily need to know how everything works. You just need to go with your humble heart and present yourself to him. But he is a legal expert. So let me just read some other little scriptures that just bring the whole idea of the courtroom. Psalm 35 verse 1 says, plead my cause, O Lord, plead, the word plead. How do you plead? Do you plead guilty? Do you plead innocent? Plead my cause, O Lord, with them. It's all legal language that strive with me fight against them and fight against me amos or amos 5 15 says hate evil love good maintain justice in the courts now listen to this one this one is really interesting to me this is after job had been struck down with sores and his family died and it says this job 13 verse 18 says now that i have prepared my case I know I will be vindicated. I'm I'm not saying this is what I'm about to say is right because I don't know the answer, but I wonder if Job had prepared his case before he was struck down, he'd have been vindicated. I wonder if he would have been vindicated. I wonder if he stood there and said, Lord, wherever sin has allowed Satan into my life, forgive me. If he had stood there and went humbly, like, because he actually, Job actually said, the thing I feared most came upon me. So fear was the gateway for the enemy to get access. If he had stood in the court and presented his case and went, Lord, I'm guilty, forgive me. Then when Satan came to bring sores and to murder Job's children, I wonder if he'd have been vindicated in the, in the ward where they went, overruled Satan. You cannot touch him. I wonder how many times that happens with us. All God's looking for is humility and true repentance which is not As Bill says, it's not just begging God, it's not feeling sorry. It's simply being honest and humble before God. If we allow God to search us in every area of our life and say, Lord, forgive me. Lord, if I've done that, forgive me. Agree with the accuser quickly. If you're being accused, you say, Lord, forgive me. Why? It closes the legal loophole. So Satan has no right in your life, family or anything. And we as priests of God should be doing this as part of the Ecclesia for (coughs) nations regions towns villages that's what true repentance is it's not just us all feeling bad it's standing in the gap with humility representing our cities now that i have prepared my case i know i will be vindicated hebrews seven twenty-five says consequently He is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. Intercession means to plead on behalf of another, like in a courtroom. Intercession is not just us praying a lot, although it is. It's actually pleading on behalf of another, like in a courtroom. It's courtroom language. So intercession means we stand on behalf of our city, our family, our children, but actually we're closing the loopholes. So from these few scriptures that I've just read, we can see that there is a courtroom in heaven because God is the judge. Jesus is our advocate. Satan is the accuser. Satan goes to that courtroom, this is number two, to accuse you. He accuses the saints day and night. Number three, Satan looks for legal loopholes so that he can attack your life. He wants to steal, kill and destroy. And because we haven't known about the courtroom, he has been very successful. Number four, we have been invited to be, to take part in the courtroom. Number five, and this is like Joshua the high priest, we don't need to be clean to go to the courtroom. When we go there, we are made clean. Because when Joshua went there, he was given a new garment. That's the gospel, that's the blood of Christ. Because of the gospel, we can go there. And if we do have anything wrong, you just go there and we are made clean, we're given a new garment, which means you're cleansed from every sin that would hinder you from going there. No condemnation in Christ Jesus. The blood of Jesus cleanses us from all unrighteousness. And number six, we defeat principalities and the devil in the courtroom. Not from here. If we're just walking about trying to bring down principalities yes, and powers right. from this realm, we're going to be in trouble. But if you get a verdict from the court, can you imagine what happens in, in a, an actual situation? If you get a verdict from the court, suddenly if you've got a piece of paper, it's not just you holding a piece of paper. It's not just you saying, in Jesus name, come down bad demon, suddenly you've got the whole of heaven back in you. Yeah. The whole justice system of heaven, the whole government of heaven is behind you. When we get verdicts from heaven, that's what true authority is. What does it mean to bind and loose? Whatever is loose in heaven must first of all be loose in. Sorry, whatever's loose in earth must first of all be loose in heaven. How does it get loosed in heaven? through the governmental courts of heaven. When you get something loose from heaven onto the earth, you could stand there and it could be the greatest demon of all time. It could be Satan himself. And because you have get verdicts from the court of heaven, he has to bow. But if we try it without verdicts from heaven and you try and stand up against the Masonic or something which people have done, you'll just get crushed. You'll just get crushed because he's like, what what, what papers do you have? What what authority do you have? And you say, well, Jesus' name. But when you stand there and you've got a verdict from heaven, suddenly all of the courts and government, Mount Zion, the angels, the angelic realm, the cloud of witnesses, all of heaven stands behind you. That's how, like St. Columba, these guys could walk up to a a city that was, or a, a... they went up to a place, I forget, was at Aberdeen or somewhere where the Picts were. And it was a walled city, a walled building, like the White House, for example. And he just puts his staff down like Gandal and Lord of the Rings. And suddenly the gates fly open and they walk right into the centre and nothing can stop them and nothing can hinder them. And the Picts are suddenly converted. What kind of authority is that? It's because they had authority that was given to them from the heavenly realms. Yeah. If we just go about thinking we've got that kind of authority we will get into trouble but if we get verdicts from the courts of heaven suddenly you're backed by heaven i remember i had a powerful dream and it was john paul jackson was in it it was years ago and he looked at me and he said do you realize all of heaven is behind you and then he went quiet and he looked with unbelief as if i wasn't believing and said you don't get it do you realize all of heaven is behind you How is it a policeman can stand in the road where they sit on and do that and every car and lorry and bus stops? But if you tried that, they would just go round about you. It's because that place is backed by the whole of the government, it's backed by the whole of the law. If we try and do anything in our strength and our ability in this earthly realm, we'll be crushed. But if you go to heaven you go to the courtroom you get verdicts you're humble you repent of what you need to repent of you close all legal loopholes so the enemy has no right in your life you get papers from heaven and say my son will be saved for example the prodigals will come back i will be healed because i've got the papers. <clears throat> No matter what I see on earth, no matter what it looks like, no matter how difficult it is, no matter how bad Glasgow is, no matter how bad Scotland is, no matter how far it's went away from God, we have got a verdict from the courts of heaven that says God is going to move in this nation. And it's all done from the courts. Our inheritance maybe has been stolen, but we can get seven times back all that's been stolen. Proverbs 6.31 says, But if he has found out, he must restore seven times what he stole. He must give the whole substance of his house if necessary to meet his fine. Fine. Courtroom language. In other words, whatever's been stolen from us individually, health, sickness, from our, our, through our life, through our children, through our inheritance, through not having certain revivals that should have been here. Whatever's been stolen, we can get seven times back in the courtroom. Because he must give us back. And think about things in your life, whatever got the enemy stolen, you can get seven times back by appealing to the court. But that's why we need true repentance, which is not just begging God. It's saying, Lord, I agree with the accuser. If he accuses me, I agree. Forgive me, wash me in the blood. Then when Satan tries to bring an accusation against you to hinder your prayer, hinder the answer, which he can do. If you just humbly admit it, then God says, overruled Satan. So how do we know what to ask for in the courtroom? The promises in God are yes and amen. You can ask for every promise in the Bible every single promise. That's what they did in the El of Lewis for revival. Why is it in the El of Lewis they got answers to the prayers? Because they knew about covenant. They knew that when God said, I will pour water on the thirsty land, that he must do it. That's why when the elder prayed, he maybe did not realize he was entering the courtroom. He maybe didn't know this language and it doesn't matter, actually. But the elder and Lewis prayed, it says, Lord, you have promised to pour water on the thirsty land, and you're not doing it. Don't he? That was in that book. Yeah. And you're not doing it. But why did God like that prayer? Because he actually, I don't know if it was the same person or another person, they said, Lord, you need to remember your covenant engagements. What is that? They knew about God's covenant. In other words, the legal document. They knew that God had a legal document which is his own word. He's put his word above his name. In other words, he cannot even get out of his own word. He cannot change it. He cannot give his word and suddenly change it. He cannot back out. It's a covenant. So when you get the promises and take them to the court and say, Lord, you have promised the prodigals will come back. You promised this land, like we can, this is what I do. I'll get the Jean Dernell vision and the Jean Dernell prophecies and all the different prophecies for this land. I'll take it into the courtroom. You build a case based on his word, because he's a covenant keeping God. That's what they did in Lewis, whether they realized about the courtroom or not. They, they didn't, but it didn't matter. They knew about God's covenant. They knew he was a covenant keeping God. And they said, you have promised to pour water on this land and you're not doing it. And it was after that, the barn shook. shook like a leaf and he said, the power was loosed in the whole of Barvis. They knew about covenant. They knew about God having to keep to his own word. And we must take these things to the court and say, Lord, you have promised this. That's true intercession. It's not just begging God. It's actually saying, God, you've got, why are you not doing this? Like the elder, why, Lord, you have promised to do it and you're not doing it. It wasn't being rude. He was being full of faith. He knew that it was God's promise and he must fulfill his covenant agreement. So you can ask for every promise in the Bible, in the court. 2 Corinthians 1.20 says, For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ, and so through him the amen is spoken to us to the glory of God. You can also, what has... What has God spoken to you about you your concerning your life? Ask for them to be fulfilled. Your destiny is written in scrolls or books. i just read that actually. Where to find it? Psalm 139 verse 16 says, Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. In other words, this is what the Jewish people believe, and I actually believe it because that's what this says here, really. Before you came to earth, you actually agreed to a book that was written about your life. In other words, there's a perfect will for you. We can deviate from the book, but there is a book that's perfect, and it's written. For you. I don't know about you, but I want to know what's in that book. I want to fulfill that book. But you can take that book to the courts and say, Lord, if there's anywhere in it I'm deviating or have deviated, forgive me, cleanse me, wash me, I repent, but please align me with the book. We're not supposed to go from day to day just getting by, just surviving. We're supposed to thrive and flourish. Abundant life, glory, fear of God, revival, miracles, signs, wonders, healing, life, fullness, We'll take that book to the court. Daniel 7, to 11 is another scripture about the courtroom. It says, As I looked, thrones were placed, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was white as snow, and the hair of his head was like pure wool. His throne was fiery flames, its wheels were burning fire. A stream of fire issued and came out from before him, a thousand thousand served him, and ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court sat in judgment, and the books were opened. I awoke then because of the sound of the great words that the horn was speaking, which is the Antichrist, and as I awoke the beast was killed and his body destroyed and given over to be burned with fire. As for the rest of the beasts, the dominion was taken away, but their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. I'm not focusing on the Antichrist stuff, I'm focusing on the throne, on the courtroom, on the ten thousand, ten times thousand angels, and how the books were opened, and the fact that thrones were placed. Who are the thrones for? Us. We are seated in heavenly places. He is king of kings. We are kings. Kings have a throne. We have a scepter, as Bill and Bert had been talking about. But I don't think we realise it. Thrones were put in place. Revelation 8.3, and this is connected, I believe, to what God's about to do. He says, another angel came and stood at the altar holding a golden censer. And much incense was given to him so that he might add it to the prayers of all the saints. I'll comment on that in a minute. On the golden altar, which was before the throne. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints went up before God out of the angel's hands. Then the angel took the censer and filled it with fire off the altar and threw it to the earth and there followed peals of thunder and sounds of flashes of lightning and an earthquake. Another angel came and stood at the altar holding a golden censer, and much incense was given to him, so that he might add it to the prayer of all the saints. It doesn't say the saints that are alive right now. It says the prayer of all the saints. In other words, there's been prayers of all the saints down through the generations that have been building up in a uh, bow in heaven, prayers for revival for Scotland, prayers for reformation, prayers for restitution, prayers for the glory of God to come to Scotland and the United Kingdom, prayers for the United Kingdom to be the United Kingdom, prayers that we might see the fear of God again and uh, again in the realm of holiness and true revival and the restitution, the restoration of the ecclesia, the prayer of all the saints down through the generations, suddenly there comes a point in time when these prayers just fill up the bowl, these prayers that we have made in the courtrooms of heaven, and I believe people have prayed all through generations in the courtroom of heaven, even though they didn't know the language about the courtroom of heaven and it didn't matter, they were really there because it's another realm, not a formula. And all their prayers went in this bowl until one day the bowl was full. And I believe we're at the time where the bowl was full and that bowl was turned upside down and thrown to the earth like fire. We're about to see the ball thrown to the earth like fire, but it all happens as we learn to engage and function in the courtroom of heaven until the incense is filled and flooded up there into that bowl and suddenly the bowl is full of prayers. Of all the saints through the generations, the saints, our grandmothers and grandfathers and great-great-grandfathers and Evan Roberts and John Wesley and George Whitfield and all the hidden saints that no one even knows their name. They prayed for hours and the ladies in Lewis and the people in Lewis and the people across this land, in fact, most of them are unnamed people who prayed maybe and no one knew knew their name. They have filled up these bowls for this day and the prayers are still alive. Yeah. 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 And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints went up before God and it Out of the angel's hand. Then the angel took the censer and filled it with the fire of the altar and threw it to the earth. We're about to see the fire thrown to the earth peals of thunder and sounds, flashes of lightning and an earthquake. It's going to be the fear of God and holiness because it's going to be quite scary. Everything's beyond the veil for the courtroom. Yeah. It's not a formula. I think one of the reasons I hesitated to teach this is because people have made it a formula. And it becomes do this and you do this and you do this. It's all about getting in the spirit, getting in his presence. It's all about being in there. Letting him show us what we've to repent of. Letting him show us what we've actually to pray for in the first place. Yeah. Agree with what he wants us to talk about and pray about and think about. Not just come up with what we think is right. And it's not a formula. We've got to get beyond the veil. So God is the judge, Jesus is our advocate, an advocate, I read something like this before but this is a different explanation. An advocate is a person who represents another person's interests like a lawyer does, in fact the word comes from, from the courtroom, it's from the Latin advocate, to add, a voice. To advocate is to add a voice of support to a cause or a person. An advocate is anyone who adds their voice by representing another in a court or by supporting or working towards a particular course of action. Jesus adds his voice when we are praying along with what we hear. When we align with what he wants us to pray, he adds his voice in the courtroom. He is the advocate. I heard someone the other day are talking about, in Pentecost, it says they heard a sound from heaven. The word sound means echo. They were echoing what they were hearing in heaven. That's what prayer is. We echo what the Lord wants to He gives us the prayer to pray, we pray it. Then he has his voice in the court. Why? Because it's his will. He needs a voice on earth because the heavens are the Lord's, but he's given the earth to man. He needs a vessel that he can bring his will to earth. And satan is the accuser. I yeah. just, just want to go through some things that I've discovered. Praise and worship opens up this realm of the courtroom. I discovered it in a sense by chance, but then I actually read Robert Henderson talking about it, but I I knew it before I read it and I don't say that, arguably, because When you play, when Emma would play music, when other people would play music, you would just be praying and then suddenly a realm of government came and sometimes we didn't know what to do because we just think, well we'll just start singing or something, there's nothing wrong with that, but sometimes it's actually a realm to go into the courtroom, it opens up through praise, through worship. It's important then, as I've said this before, this is just practical stuff. We repent of anything we have been accused of. Sometimes you know you've been accused. Like, I don't know if you've ever been going along either driving or walking or doing whatever you're doing. And you begin to feel yucky. Like, I feel as if I'm guilty of something. I've discovered that you've been accused in the court. So what do you do? I'm sorry Lord, if I'm guilty of that. Forgive me. And then God can go overrule Satan, and then the enemy's no legal right. We ask to be forgiven and close any legal loophole we have allowed to be opened, and even if it was opened by our ancestors, because sometimes it's something they did, it's opened up gateways for us, and all you simply do, it's not a big thing, It's just say, Lord, forgive me for what they did, close that door, amen. It's not to feel guilty it's not to roll about the ground crying out for mercy although that might happen in revival i'm not saying it won't but that's not the purpose of it it's not to condemn it's to get rid of every blockage yes god's not doing any of us to make us feel bad and condemned he's doing it to get rid of all the blockages that hinder the fullness of christ he wants to get rid of every blockage that hinders revival he wants to get rid of every blockage that hinders you walking in your complete Destiny. You see, we have been given the fullness. When you're born again, you're given the fullness, but the fullness is like a seed inside us. And there's all these blockages. Sometimes it's in us. And by the way, this all begins with us. It's about us coming humble before God and saying, God, judge me, search me. Why? Not to condemn, but to get rid of all the blockages in us that hinder revival. The only thing that hinders revival is not a demon up there. It's not a demon up there. It's not a principality or a power who hinders revival. They can't. Because all authority has been given to Christ. That means all. Satan has got none. Apart from that which we allow him. And we allow him by having legal loopholes. Things in our life that shouldn't be there. So all we do is simply come before God the judge, say, Lord, search me. Search me and know me. Why? To condemn me? No. No. There's something there blocking me. Get rid of that, word. forgive me. And then suddenly the Spirit of God can move through you. It can move from your inner being, the Holy of Holies, because you are the temple, into your soul, into your body, so that your shadow can heal. That's where we're going. So there's this place called Mount Zion, which you have come to. And what we really need is a revelation that we have come to this place. You have been given a throne because you're seated in the heavenly places. You've been given government. The courtroom really is so that we can stand before God and let him judge us. Not judge us in the sense of eternal damnation. No, getting rid of every blockage, every hindrance to the spirit of God, every hindrance to Christ. And as we do that, that's when revival will come. Because we think if we just get rid of the demon in Govan, or just get rid of the demon in Glasgow, the Principality, that Principality is only there taking a seat, because we're not taking more seats. Yeah. That's the only reason it's got a seat. The Principality above here has only got a seat here because we're not taking it. As soon as we take our place, it has to go. When you want to fight, when you get into a room and it's dark, you don't need to fight the darkness. You just need to turn on the light. We have been fighting the darkness, shouting and bawling at the darkness when actually all we need to do is allow the light of Christ in us by going to the court and allowing him to deal with everything in us. First of all us, then the towns and cities and nations and we can get restitution. So Lord, We just come before you today and Father, I want to thank you for the revelation of the heavenly courtroom. I thank you for Mount Zion. I thank you, Lord God, that you're bringing a revelation to your people of the governmental realm of heaven and the fact that we are seated in heavenly places, that we actually can go in the spirit to the courtroom of heaven. Yes, we're being accused, Lord God, but actually it will work out in our behalf, in our favour, when we realise we can stand there and we can make a case like Job, and we will be vindicated, and we can be cleansed, we will be changed, the fire will come. And Lord God, we join with all the prayers of the saints down through the generations, with those prayers, Lord God, that filled up that bowl in heaven, the incense of the prayers of all the saints, all the people of God through the history of this nation. We join their prayers and fill up that bowl until one day you turn that bowl up and throw it like a fire onto the earth. And Lord God, it's not just a little nice fire where we can just warm up our hands. Our God is a consuming fire. This fire will burn up everything that hinders us. Thank you, Lord. And Father, we come before you in this court and we ask you throughout today and the next few days, Lord God, we will just simply be open to you and humble and say, Lord, wherever accusation comes against us, we agree with the accuser and we simply ask you to forgive us and cleanse us and give us even a divorce from that thing, from the consequences of whatever it might be. So that there's no hindrance in us, no barrier in us to the fullness of Christ, to the fullness of Yahweh. To the fullness of the Holy Spirit. So that it's not just visitation, but it's habitation. It's the full possession of the Holy Spirit like Reese Hills had. Lord, you dealt with that man by putting your finger on one thing at a time and you do the same with us. Maybe not in the same way as Reese Hills, but you do it, Lord God. And if we're in a courtroom, we can simply quickly Agree with the accuser, and that thing is dealt with quickly. Then forgiveness comes, then cleansing comes, and the blood speaks a better word. And then you will prepare us, Lord God, for the fullness of habitation. You'll prepare us, Lord God, to function as true kings and priests, not just using language, but we will function from the heavens. We will function from being seated the principalities and powers across Glasgow and across Scotland will be removed, not because of us shouting at them, but because we have suddenly taken our seat. We have taken our place of government. Amen.